Appamata and its programs are supported by your generosity and your generosity and support makes such a difference. You can find a link for contributions on the website at appamata.org. Thank you. So good morning, everyone. Today we have the pleasure of having John Eric offering his uh, Way Seeking Mind talk. So I'll turn it over to you, John Eric. Thank you. Just by you here. Ah, it's really good to see you all. I'm so grateful that you're here. And um, Maria just sent me a chat and said, remember you're among friends and family. And I, I really do feel that way. <laughs> really uh, sweet to be here. And I remember when I first saw uh, Way Seeking Mind talk, it was your passion. I thought, I'm never doing that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which I've learned to try not to say in this practice because here we are. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad to be offering this. Um, I really kind of struggled with, with this talk um, for a while, I think, because I wanted to offer something. I wanted to, I felt like all of these years of seeking and, and uh, my, my spiritual practices should mean something, should come down to something. And I, I was really kind of, you know, fretting around like, well, what, you know, what is it? Like, what did I learn? What did I, what, what can I offer? You know, what did I, what's, what's the answer? <laughs> And um, after I let that go, I, I realized that, well, first of all, I don't, uh, I don't have any answers. I have learned some things, but I have more questions than anything, I think. Uh, but what really, what I was feeling was a, was a sense of care. I really just wanted to, to, to offer something to, to you, my, my family and my community and my friends. And then I, I just kind of, took a step back and realized like, that's what I was feeling. I was feeling care for everyone. And that's that really, uh, that's what I've really learned, uh, especially from Appamata, which means mindful energetic care, of course. But I don't know, it was just kind of a, it was kind of a cool realization just to see like, oh yeah, that's, that's what it's about. That's actually what it's about. Um, so that's really the end of my talk and <laughs> Now that I've given away the end, I, I'll start at the beginning. Um, and uh, it was funny, Robin, who's here, who's on my council, she brought in the Lojong phrase this week, uh, which was um, begin at the beginning and end at the end. So I think that's, that's good advice. Um, so yeah, so uh, I'm from Austin and um, only child, my, my dad who's here and, uh, my mom, my, so that I guess kind of the, the, the context I was raised in with my family of origin, um, I would say we were not, not patently agnostic, but I would say that's kind of the, the, uh, uh, the context of, of my family system, uh, my family of origin. My mom was very spiritual, but very kind of uh, engaged in nature and the natural surroundings and and uh, when people asked her what church she went to, she'd say to the Church of Zilker Park, and, which is a, a big park here in Austin, if you're not, you know, in Austin. And um, she was very, yeah, very spiritual, but very, you know, kind of, kind of uh, she was very engaged in her, uh, some, some part of her lineage is uh, Blackfoot, indig indigenous uh, peoples. And um, she was very connected to that lineage. And my dad, uh, um, had, had some difficulties with the church as a young person. And I think that was part of the, uh, you know, this, this kind of, um, you know, we didn't go to church as a family, but it wasn't like, you know, we weren't, we weren't like against church or anything like that. It just wasn't really like something that we did. So I was born into this, I, you know, even though I struggled with that from time to time, uh, I, I'm really so grateful that I had this kind of fertile ground to explore from. And, uh, they were they, both my parents were always super supportive of me and all of my explorations and all of my questions and everything. Um, so I'm very, very grateful for that uh, starting point. Um, a little bit further up, my 
great-grandfather, my mom's grandfather, was a reformed LDS minister in Missouri. Uh, and my grandfather, my dad's dad, uh, was a very devout Episcopalian. And uh, he was an architect, very prominent architect, and he built mostly churches in Austin and San Antonio. Uh, so that's kind of, kind of some of the some of the family history, some of the spiritual history. Um, and uh, yeah, I was I was always really glad that I didn't have to go to church on Sundays as a kid because I wanted to sleep in. <laughs> and I always thought I kind of had a had an edge on that, um, which didn't take because here we are on Sunday and I often get up very early, so that didn't turn out to be uh, long long term. Um, and uh, in first grade, I went to St. Martin's uh, to school, which is a church in downtown Austin. And I was really into science, like my whole life, I've always been into science and nature and discovering new things. And I remember, uh, well, my parents tell the story of um, them getting called into parent-teacher conference because they were teaching about creation, creationism. And I stood up and I said, I, I think it's actually about evolution. And I started talking about dinosaurs and all this kind of stuff. And they were like, well, you know, uh, <laughs> maybe don't bring that forward in, in this <laughs> class. Um, but that was really my, that was really my, uh, where my create, my curiosity started was with nature and with, with science and, and, uh, things like that. So, um, I've always been fascinated with the natural world. I've always loved animals. I've always loved nature. I always loved being outside. Uh, when I was 11, I got a job at a pet store, not too far away. And so on Saturdays, my parents would take me to my, my job at the pet store and I'd work all day and, and uh, I was too young to get paid money. So they paid me in animals and cages and <laughs> food and things like that. So my, my room was like a, uh, it was like an exhibit. There was like aquariums and turtles and uh, lizards and snakes and hamsters and all these kinds of things. I just, I just loved it. And I just, I've, uh, I still kind of have this kind of fascination with nature and animals and, um, really see them as a, as a, as a gateway to another consciousness. Uh, I just find them very, very interesting and have a deep care for them. Um, and then when I was in middle school, I volunteered at the uh, Austin Nature Center, which used to be where uh, Deep Eddie is now. And I would walk, I went to Henry Middle School and I would walk after school and go play with the animals and take care of the coyotes or whatever they had rescued. And, and I, I love that uh, very much. Um, and really that, that was my primary connection to uh, my, my spiritual self was, was through nature and, and through animals. Uh, a little bit later, went to Austin High School down the road from O'Henry and um, had a great group of friends. And one of my friends invited me to attend uh, Young Life which if you're not familiar with Young Life, it's a, it's a Christian organization, um, I think non-denominational, I, I don't know, but um, it's, it's kind of a social thing in a way to, to get people in, engaged in the church life. And uh, it, was, it was really good. It was really good socially. I had a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. But I kind of felt like, because I wasn't raised in that uh, tradition, that I didn't really, I kind of felt like people were talking about something I didn't quite understand when they were talking about Jesus. and in the Bible. And I saw people having this really, they talked about this personal connection to, to Jesus. And uh, I got really interested in that. And I was like, what is this about? You know, and um, I would say that's when my, my religious seeking really began, because I was, I was really compelled by this, like, what, you know, what is this that, that people are experiencing? And uh, so I started getting really pretty active in young life. And uh, reading the Bible and uh, just reading it on my own and, and then you know, asking questions and things. And uh, I would say that's when I, I really started studying, started studying different uh, religions and, and traditions um, and really started having a heart towards like what is out there, you know, what's, what's, what's greater than me, like what, what is, where do I come from, that sort of these kinds of questions. And so uh, Kind of in that backdrop of those two things, uh, when I was around 16, I had a I had an experience outside that 
really kind of changed my life. I, I, was, I was hiking at a uh, friend of the family's land uh, out in the hill country, beautiful, beautiful land. And I was out, I was by myself and I hiked up this ridge and turned around and saw this most beautiful vista. It was just a gorgeous day. It was like blue skies and trees and mountains. And it just, it just filled me. And I felt the sense of oneness with creation. And it's, it's what I would, would I now call like samadhi or something. It just, it just was like everything was right with the world. And it just, I felt this connection to something larger than me. It was completely unexpected. Uh, and I remember walking around the, the property by myself kind of in this this state and I, I went down I found this little stream and it was like super idyllic and I drank the water and it was like you know so wonderful and there was a and I looked up and there's this armadillo like this pretty big armadillo just looking at me and I looked at it for probably like five minutes we just like regarded each other you know just had this like moment me and this armadillo and it it just I don't know it was just something it just you know, it was like a new part of me opened up uh, from that moment. Um, and I'll always, always remember that, that time, that moment, you know, it's still very vivid memory. Um, but really it was, you know, it was that sense of nature and, and animals and that sort of thing that I think really like just kind of spoke my language uh, while I was trying to figure out this, you know, kind of religious teaching and, and what, what it was all about. Um, so then, a few more years later, I went to college at uh, Southwest Texas, now Texas State in San Marcos. And um, I, I had this period of time where I was kind of adrift around 18, 19. I quit going to school. I was slacking off. I probably should have taken a gap year, but I didn't. And, uh, you know, I was not working, just kind of like couch surfing and uh, really just adrift, you know, around, around that age. Um, and, and also struggling quite a bit. Uh, because of that, and you know, I was dealing with with depression at times, and just trying to you know figure out like you know what am I doing? Um, and I was at a party uh, at was some people's house on uh, Lake Austin, and uh, they weren't they were kind of friends, but not really. It was just kind of a crowd of people. I was just kind of there, and I remember I was I was just feeling so down, and I, I walked out on the pier by myself. It was at night. And I was just looking out across the water and the something about the way the moon was shining down on the on the waves of the water. I, I again had this kind of moment, this this like oneness with with nature and with with creation. And um I just had this this feeling like it's all gonna be okay. It's all gonna be okay. And I just uh it's inexplicable, it's hard to describe, but um, it was a real turning point for me. I just, I got up, I walked through the middle of the house. I didn't say anything to anybody. And I got in my car and I, I drove off. Um, never saw those people again. <laughs> uh, they weren't bad people. They just weren't really my, you know, they weren't really my friends. And then I uh, went back to school and, and started studying again. And I got really serious about school and uh, thought I would be, um, because I, I have such a, interest in science I, I studied pre, wanted to study pre-med and uh, uh, which was way overshooting my academic history so far but <laughs> it was my interest and uh, I was so fascinated by it and then I um, kind of the next milestone in my my spiritual journey I would go through the stacks in the library and I would read medical journals and I would read about like surgical procedures and and all these different things it was just so fascinating and I was just like in heaven with all these books. And uh, I remember I, I picked up this one book about the, the human eye and the visual system. And I was reading it and I, I, I was so captivated and struck by the complexity of what it takes to see, you know, with the, the lens and the retina and the fovea and the optic chiasm and the optic nerve and the optic occipital cortex and the, and the brain. And, and uh, it just, um, I knew there had to be something greater. We're not just here by mistake. You know, it was just like, I, I, like so intricate. It was the intricacy of 
of what I was reading was so beautiful. And I've actually, I've, I've heard this is kind of a gateway to, uh, you know, believing or whatever for, for some other people too, is that the visual system for some reason, just because it's so intricate. Um, and that was an, another opening for me, which was interesting because that I was coming through a different pathway. It wasn't through nature. It was just, it was through my mind and through study and something that really just like, wow. Okay. And then I was like, okay, there, there is a God, there is something out there. There's something, there's an intelligence here that that's uh, greater than, greater than me. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going into this religion thing full force. <laughs> I'm ready. And I went down to the Episcopal church there in uh, San Marcos, uh, St. Mark's and started studying with them and said, I'm ready to be baptized. I hadn't been baptized. And uh, they were like, okay, read these books and uh, come back in two weeks. The bishop will be here and they will baptize you. I was like, okay. I was super excited and um, was reading and, you know, two weeks came and went. We didn't have email back then. So I had to walk down there. Uh, it was like three weeks later or something like that. And I was like, well, you know, what's going on? It's been two weeks. And they said, oh, uh, they already left. They came and left. And I was like, super crushed. I was just like devastated um, because I had, I was just jumping in. I was like, I'm ready to, to do this. And, and something about that just felt really uh, disheartening to me. Um, but I was still in this kind of searching mindset and I don't remember how much longer, maybe a few weeks or a couple months, I was still at, at uh, school living in the dorms and I met this uh, guy, he was a friendly guy in my, my class named Osmond. Um, and we just, we met, we got along like super well. We just started hanging out and uh, we ended up rooming, up, rooming together in a, in a dorm. And um, he was gone at one point, I was looking through his, his drawers or something for a pencil or something like that. And I found the Quran. And I was like, what is this? I had no clue what that was at all. And I was, I remember looking at it, I put it back kind of sheepishly, like, you know, I found something, that, <laughs> you know, I shouldn't have. Um, but he came back in and, and I asked him about it and he said, oh, it's my Quran, I'm, I'm a Muslim. And I was like, what is that? You know, I had no real idea what that was. And he started telling me about it, about his, he was born a, a Muslim and um, he was telling me about it. And I just, I, I became fascinated by what he was sharing with me. And I had no idea that this religion even really existed. I didn't know there was another Abrahamic religion aside from Judaism and Christianity. Um, and we stayed up till two, three in the morning, several nights in a row talking about Islam and what it was all about. And uh, something about it really, captured me in that moment uh, it, it had so many answers <laughs> and uh you know so many so much structure it was like you know you pray five times a day you, you know you observe these things and, and this is what it is you know and it was like and it, and it you know kind of brought together this this christian tradition and the Judaic tradition with this new new context and uh kind of like i do when i get fascinated with something i just poured myself into it and i read the quran front to back and I read um, what are called hadiths, which are like stories about the about Muhammad. Um, and I got super into it, and uh, it just—I don't know—it really filled a filled something in my life at that time. I was really, you know, again, kind of coming out of this struggling phase. And so I, I converted to Islam. I became a Muslim, and I was at twenty. Went to the the mosque here in Austin, the Islamic Center on, on the Oasis, and told my friend Osman and some other friends I had made that I was ready. And they were like, okay, you know, come on Friday. It was like, you know, tomorrow kind of thing. And then I'd never been to that mosque before. The mosque in uh, San Marcos was very small. And there were like maybe a hundred people there. And I, I just turned around and stood in front of everybody and said this proclamation of faith in Arabic that they, they read to me and I read it back. And the outpouring of care and like uh, excitement for me, because I was like this new convert coming into this thing that 
was was overwhelming. Like people were hugging me, they were like inviting me to dinner, they were like, you know, just super excited about me. And and uh that was my first experience of what Sangha was like for me. And it was just it really filled a need that I had been looking for. It was like, wow, I belong, you know, I'm I'm taking this new exciting path and it was just you know it was just like wow I felt like I'd really found something you know unique um and uh I remember being asked to come give a talk at UT at the student union I think it was like a multicultural day or something like that and I got up and I spoke and it was kind of like kind of like this kind of like a way seeking mind talk but back then to becoming a Muslim <laughs> and I I got up in front of everybody and shared my story and my parents were there and they were you know, um, like maybe a little perplexed, I don't know, but very supportive again, which I'm so grateful. I mean, that could have totally been not the case because it's kind of an unusual step to take. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I was a, a practicing Muslim for, um, uh, about two years and observed fairly regularly, you know, praying five times a day and fasting during Ramadan and all these kinds of things. Uh, but it started to kind of um, slip for me a little bit over the years. It was like the, the newness of it wore off and the, the rules, which are numerous, became a little, little too much for me. Um, and then there were some, some cultural things that didn't quite fit. Like uh, there's some people in that community who were fairly like hardline, hardliner, uh, orthodox and they would say things to me like um you know, you're, you're dressing too american or like you know you, like i had an earring at the time they're like you, you know you should take that out you, you look too american or whatever i was like well you know it's what i am you know it's like <laughs> and uh and then i had this really what what was kind of the so i, I still have a, a very deep place in my heart for islam and for for muslims and uh, that, that sort of thing. But as far as like, I, you know, I did step out of that religion and that way of, of, of worship. Um, and what kind of was the, the, uh, defining point for me was I had this conversation with this guy who was really kind of extreme. And he was basically telling me that, you know, anyone who's not a Muslim is going to hell. And I was like, wait, <laughs> I didn't think, you know, that was a part of this. Uh, and he was like, oh yeah. No, like, so my parents are going to hell because they're not Muslims. I'm like, yeah, I'm afraid so. And I was like, well, that's bumped. You know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, not into this anymore. This is not my, it's not my jam. Um, so I, I, I left that community. I, I'm still very good friends with, with my friend Osman, and uh, um, still know some people from that community, and you know, very friendly and everything. But uh, I'm, I, I don't, I don't observe that any longer. Um, but so at that point, uh, I was again, kind of adrift a little bit, I guess, you know, I was still seeking, um, and, uh, I came across, I was working at a furniture store in San Antonio in a mall, which is not as glamorous as it sounds. And there was a bookstore next door and uh, I had a lot of free time and I, I picked up a copy of the Tao Te Ching, just out of curiosity. And I read it, I opened the first page and it says the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. And I was like, what is that? That, wow. And it was like the antithesis of this kind of like ideology, this kind of like thing that has all the answers. And I was like, this is really interesting. And I read, I read it, I, I carried it around with me. It was pocket-sized. Um, and then I read the, uh, the Tao of Physics. I don't know if you guys have ever read that, but that is a phenomenal book that weds science with with uh eastern um uh religions and teachings Taoism, and all, all kinds of other things that i was just like yeah this is it this is this is really cool um and so then i met jessica fast forwarding quite a few years uh 1996 met jessica and uh we met at a plant nursery here in Austin, the, the Pink Flamingos Plant Nursery, if you guys have been here a long time. And um, one of the things we really bonded on was our spirituality. We both had this seeking heart. Um, and we just, uh, you know, among other things, it was one of the things we really talked about a lot was this, this kind of like seeking. And she comes from a Christian background and I, I had 
you know, been studying that and everything. I had a lot of questions. You know, she she knew and, and knows a lot more about that than I do still. Um, but we would stay up till 2 a.m. talking about the Bible and Jesus and, and uh, um, things like that. Uh, and so we just, we just really bonded around, around that. Um, and let's see. So then uh, she went to Texas State with me. And we went to college together, which was awesome. It was a young married couple going to school, sitting next to each other in physics class. <laughs> and um, then I completed my degree in psychology and we moved back to Austin in 2000. Uh, a couple of years later, we had a baby, Emily, which is, she's on the call. She's now 19. Um, but that was a real spiritual experience watching her be born, I can say, because you, it's all very uh, um, you know, conceptual having a baby until it happens. And then there, you know, she like there she was, and like there's this being comes from nothing to something, and it kind of looks like you and it's looking at you, and it's just like, wow, <laughs> it was like mind-blowing experience, like super, super spiritual experience watching watching her be born. And I remember just carrying her down the hallway and all of our family was, was there. Uh, just like, you know, my eyes were like this big. I was like, look at what happened, you know? <laughs> and uh, that was a huge opening uh, for me. Um, uh, and so then, then now we're a young family and, and uh, I started working in, in tech kind of really earnestly and then um, got a position in Seattle. So we all moved to Seattle. and. Uh, actually moved back to Austin for a short time, then moved back to Seattle. We were there for about seven years in total, but uh, that was kind of a, uh, I, was, I was really focused on making a living and, and excelling in my career and really just focused on work at that time, work and family. And so my, my spiritual seeking was kind of placed on the on hold. Um, and, um, you know, wasn't, was, was happy and fulfilled, but wasn't, wasn't, didn't have any kind of like spiritual like juice there for me. Uh, and then Jessica, as, as uh, Emily got older and, and went to school, Jessica started studying yoga and uh, took yoga teacher training at a place called Eight Limbs Yoga in Seattle, um, which is a wonderful yoga studio, very steeped in uh, like actual yoga, like actual you know, yoga teachings and, and the philosophy and everything. And it was really something that really drew her um, really deeply. And, and I was kind of interested in it, but more as like an exercise class here and there, just because I was really just kind of thinking about my job. Um, but happy for her that she was finding this, this community and, and a new path. And uh, that changed for me when we went on a retreat together in uh, Orcas Island, which is just outside of Seattle. My mom flew up there and, and watched Emily so that we could do this. I think it was a three or four day retreat where we were uh, learning from this man named James, James Bode, uh, who another friend had, had uh, kind of sponsored from Mysore, India. He's, a, he's a, an Englishman, but he at that time was living in Mysore and studying very deeply. And he's a yogic uh, scholar and a Sanskrit scholar. Um, and uh, I had no idea about any of that stuff, but here we are at this retreat learning from this man, James, and he shared uh, kirtan, which is like uh, singing, devotional singing, uh, bhakti yoga, which is like devotional yoga, uh, Indian mythology, um, like all these stories about, you know, Shiva and Vishnu and, uh, you know, the Ramayana and all this kind of stuff. And it just was like, wow, I didn't realize how dried up I had been spiritually until I met this guy and heard what he was, was, was sharing. And I was like, okay, I get it. Now, this yoga thing is pretty cool. Um, there's a lot more to this than I thought. And uh, then I got really into yoga and, and studying with James in particular. He's, he's still one of my primary teachers. Um, and uh, his, his lineage is, uh, is yoga in general, um, but also uh, Kashmiri Shaivism, which is uh, uh, a tantric tradition from Kashmir. Um, and that's really what his lineage is. And it's actually something that uh, informs our, our Buddhist practice as well. Some of the teachings from Kashmiri Shaivism is the, as a, 
Buddhism was spreading from India up into China and Chan, and the Silk Road went through Kashmir. And so some of those teachings, um, especially the Vajrayana path. But uh, anyway, there's some there's some similarities there that, that are familiar. Um, very rich tradition. Uh, still very interested in in those teachings. Um, it talks a lot about Shiva and Shakti as as uh, symbols of, of form and formlessness, and then the dualities there, and, and uh, very rich teaching. Um, and I'm actually in a in a men's group with with James currently. He's you know he's in kind of all around the world, but uh, anyway, still connected with James. Um, and uh, so that that kind of like woke me back up spiritually, I think, you know, yoga and that sort of thing. And then uh, around that time, um, I was working at Microsoft. I was working as a contractor. They offered me a really great full-time position. And uh, it was a great opportunity and great benefits and all these things. We were also looking for a home to buy in Seattle. It was a very hot market at the time. And uh, it, so I was given this job offer, we we're about to buy a house and it was like just out of our reach, like just barely gonna be a kind of a, kind of hard to do. Um, and the job paid just enough to where it was like, there was a little thin margin there. And I remember the recruiter telling me, uh, you know, here's your benefits and stuff. And when she was like, here's what we call the golden handcuffs. It's uh, you, you get, and I don't remember exactly the deal, but it was like, if you stay here 10 years, your stock will vest, you'll get this, these benefits and everything. And I was like, wow, this is a 10-year thing working at Microsoft in tech. And my, my heart was kind of crying out, you know, like saying, please don't do this, you know. And um, even though it was, a, it was a good opportunity, I turned it down and um, really just uh, was kind of, uh, I, I was eschewing this kind of materialistic way that I've been living my life for so many years, chasing a career and, and trying to make money and all these kinds of things. And so, um, you know, with some conversation and struggle in the family or, you know, some <laughs> discussion around it, we decided that we were going to leave our, our life in Seattle and do something different. And we talked about a lot of different options, maybe going to Europe and working on an organic farm or something like that. We decided to buy an Airstream, uh, which we did. So we bought a, a large Airstream, a new one and a truck to pull it. And we sold almost everything, uh, left our house. And the three of us, me and Jessica and Emily, which I think she was about 11 at the time, um, got in the Airstream and, and lived on the road for, for six months. And uh, um, it was ama an amazing experience. And our, our idea was let's find some land. Let's find some land and, and get back to nature and like, you know, work the land. And, uh, that was that was what we were going to do, and so uh, Emily was in homeschool, and we just drove around. We drove probably a little, little too far, too fast. Was kind of excited about it. We we circumnavigated the country pretty much twice, <laughs> Seattle all the way through Texas to the East Coast, back up to Seattle, and then back through California, back to in six months. Um, ended up back in Austin, and uh, which I never thought we would do at that point. Um, and, uh, and we stayed at, uh, we didn't have a house at that point. So we stayed at Pecan Grove, which is off of, uh, Barton Springs, uh, kind of an I iconic, uh, RV park right there in the middle of everything. And, uh, we lived there for at least a whole summer. We were there for like three months. And around that time, um, and we didn't know what we were going to do. And, uh, my parents lived in Lockhart. They moved from Austin to Lockhart at that point too. And I think we stayed with them some in the Airstream as well. Uh, Jessica reconnected with her good friend, Rupesh, uh, who was at Appamata at that time and, and introduced her to Appamata. And she would get up uh, and I think she was kind of struck by it at the, at the time. And um, she would get up in the morning, ride her bike to Barton Springs and then ride over to Appamata and sit in the mornings. And that was kind of her routine. And, uh, I was kind of mildly, mildly interested in that. Oh, I, I should, I, I kind of skipped a thing. While we were in Seattle, uh, I was starting to get interested in Buddhism and I went and checked out Shambhala. I think we went together to check out Shambhala in Seattle. 
and we we did one sitting period, but it was so musty in the the basement with the carpet that it was like I can't come back here. So that was that was a one time trip. Um, Seattle can get that way sometimes. Uh, anyway, so I was I had this like a little bit of interest in in what Buddhism was about, um, but not not a, not to a great degree. But I was kind of hearing from Jessica about Apamata and and Peg and Flint and you know. Uh, everything there and she was getting a lot out of it um and uh so i wasn't i wasn't sitting yet i, I don't think i'd ever even even gone to apamata and then uh we bought it we got a house in austin started working again and then around 2015 i had a like a real spiritual crisis um just everything was kind of falling apart uh, we we had a a new office in downtown. We had 10 full-time employees in our business suddenly, and my mom was getting ill, uh, with long-term illness. And it was just like, everything was just like falling apart at once. And I just was like, every, you know, it was, uh, as what often brings us to this practice, I was, I was in a crisis and I was like, I'm going to go talk to Peg. <laughs> Having never sat at Apamata before, uh, or maybe once, I don't know, but I signed up for a practice discussion with Peg. And I went into the Dokusan room and sat across from her. And it was just like this energy. It was like, I'm sitting face to face with Peg, you know, it was just like, wow. And I, I shared with her what was happening and I was just kind of like bereft, you know, and like, I'm, you know, what am I going to do? And she just calmly said, this will be a liberating experience for you. I'm like, no idea what she was talking about. She said, just, just come back and sit. Just come back and sit. Come back in the morning and sit at Apamata. And <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll, I'll try it. And I think I kind of fumbled my way along. The first, I, I came back maybe the next morning and uh, made a lot of mistakes. I didn't do orientation, which I should have, but I just showed up. <laughs> and I think I walked into the Zendo while she was giving her, uh, her vows at the altar. And she kind of looked at me like, what are you doing? And I, went and sat down all like, you know, embarrassed and ashamed and uh, didn't know what was happening. And um, anyway, I kept coming, kept coming to Akamata. And um, not long after that, Flint was giving a inquiry. Um, well, well, first of all, I saw inquiry for the first time and that blew my mind. I'd never seen anything like that before. I'd never heard someone talking like that before about, you know, Hakomi and, you know, all, all of his influences, IFS and that sort of thing. And I just kind of like, I think the next inquiry I just jumped up there, like sitting in front of him. He was kind of like, yes, you know, he'd never met me before. And I was like, I'm struggling. I'm suffering. I don't know what to do. And he just said, follow your breath and keep sitting. I said, okay, <laughs> thank you. And went and sat down and um, was starting to get a, feel for what Apamata was about, you know, it was still pretty new. And then uh, there was an intensive offered at Red Corral Ranch, uh, residential intensive, and I, I signed up for it, having very little practice. And uh, I went and I remember showing up at, it was in, uh, in Hill Country somewhere, I can't remember where now, but I remember uh, Jessica and Emily dropped me off with my luggage at the little front stand thing and they drove away and I was like oh my god I'm stuck here <laughs> I don't know what's gonna happen I don't know what I'm doing and uh I was just like I wanted to run in that moment and and just then um I think it was Todd Bankler showed up and gave me a ride to the, the cabin where he and I were rooming together I'd never really met him before and um I was still like kind of panicking, like, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, and then the intensive began. I, I had a job. I was one of the, the cook's assistants and uh, there were Dharma talks. There was a lot, a lot, a lot of sitting and everything that I had been dealing with was like really coming on heavy. And it was just like, man, I just felt like I was on fire, you know, to sit there. It was just such a struggle. But what shifted for me, I, maybe three or four days into the experience of it being so so painful and difficult was um, we started doing some some practice discussion groups with each other and I started realizing what Sangha 
was about. I had no idea what Sangha was about. And I was like, here are these people I've been sitting with in silence for days and days and days. And now we were talking about stuff and like really sharing with each other. And it started to shift for me. I was like, oh, Sangha. Yeah, I think I know what this is, you know? And it was just like, huh, that's what this is about, you know? It's like, okay. And uh, again, it was another opening for me, you know, just like coming into this practice and, and learning like, oh, we're actually doing this for each other. Oh, that makes sense. Um, and so that, that, I'm so grateful for that experience. I'm so grateful I, that I often just jump into things without thinking about it because it was really brought me in deeply into the, the teachings and the, the, the Dharma and, and Sangha. And uh, I, I kept coming back. Um, ever since, I guess. And uh, uh, in addition to my, my sitting practice at Apamata uh, back then, it was about 28, 17 or so, um, I started kind of dipping into Sufism a little bit. So I was you know, still had this kind of lineage of, of Islam and I was sitting or uh, not sitting, but going to uh, worship at the, there's a little Sufi center here in Austin, um, actually at the Unitarian church, I think anyway. That I kind of dipped in with a Sufi group for a little while, dipped my toes in it, and then stopped going there because it, again, it wasn't just really my jam, but um, really nice people. Um, and then I found this—I uh, think Jessica maybe found it—but this this conference that's held in San Jose called the Science and Non-Duality Conference, or SAND. And I went to that, and it was like the Tao of Physics book in in real life. And it was the most incredible experience to discover that there are scientists like leading edge quantum physicists and biologists and geneticists and all these things uh, intermixing with, with these spiritual teachers like Adyashanti and uh, Deepak Chopra. And all, you know, all these people were like there together at this conference. And it was just like, wow, another um, incredible opening for me and, and uh, Jessica and I went to the conference together. It's not being held any longer, but that was just another thing that was like, again, bringing this like my, my science interest together with, with spirituality, um, really interesting uh, group of people. And then in uh, 2015, I think, kind of skipping around a little bit, but uh, Jessica did a Hakomi training here in Austin. And um, that was a very deep experience for her. And I, I experienced a lot of what I call uh, collateral Hakomi, being her husband while she was going through the, the process. And, um, you know, it's, a, it's just such a wonderful, wonderful practice, one of Flint's lineages, as, as you know, in NPEG. And uh, that experience of, of watching her go through this reignited my interest in psychology, which was always my, my root passion kind of um, thing and, and uh, then I took the training, the Hakomi training. It's a two-year intensive training. Uh, and a lot of people at Apamata have, have taken this, this training as well. Um, but uh, that really changed my, my life. I, I always say that there's me before Hakomi and there's me after. And it's like the way I see life and everything is so different after experiencing what Hakomi is. And we're now Hakomi practitioners. Um, and uh, it's just a beautiful, Beautiful spiritual practice, I think, of being with people in that way. Um, let's see. And then in 2018, I joined the board at Apamata. I think maybe some of y'all know me from the board. And, um, then, uh, let's see. Well, so I, I, I joined the board, then I became the board president uh, after after Joan. She was such a wonderful person to learn from, and, and Robin. Um, was always so wonderful on the board. I, and I just, I'm so grateful for the people I worked with on the board, just you guys and Mitch. And I mean, just y'all are just such incredible people and so talented. And um, I remember, you know, before the pandemic really started, uh, you know, it was kind of a, I, wouldn't, I mean, it was just kind of like, you know, we, we would meet and talk about finances and that sort of thing. And then COVID happened and it was like, wow, everything really, <laughs> took off you know it's like um you know flint had moved to hawaii and then uh you know the, the zendo was shut down and then the peg decided to move back with their family and like what do we do with the house and 
you know, that, that became my, my real practice at Appamato was, was working on the board with, with the other board members. Um, it was a beautiful practice. And I, 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 I've always been interested in the intersection of like business and, and spirituality. And, and that really kind of met that need for me, like how to be in that kind of position in a, in a, in a spiritual seat and uh, super grateful for that opportunity. Um, and then I, I left the board and uh, last spring and now Nate's the, is the president and um, yeah, just so, so great for them. They're still doing such great, such great things. Uh, now I'm on the, I'm on council too. I'm very happy to be there, council member. Um, let's see, I'm, now I'm catching up to present day, what's going on. Uh, still with, I'm meeting with my men's group online. We, we formed um, during COVID and I have this wonderful group of guys from around the world, Pacific Northwest and uh, Ibiza and England and like all these guys and we've, we've gotten really close and we haven't all met in person yet um, but we meet like every other week for three hours something like that um, so that's another community that I have that uh, was kind of unexpected unexpected benefit of, of COVID um, and uh, like I said Jess and I are still practicing Hakomi we've actually we're actually starting a new organization called Hakomi Austin which will be uh, a way to of help bring uh, Hakomi uh, forward in, in Austin and um, uh, yeah just kind of a, a resource for people a community for people we really, really have like a kind of a, a parallel Hakomi Sangha of, of people here that because uh, we just we just believe in it so much it's such a wonderful lineage um, and I am uh, starting graduate school in a month I'm, I'm getting my master's I'm I'm endeavoring to get my master's in uh, um, at Naropa University based in Boulder. And it's a hybrid program, so I can stay here in Austin. And uh, there'll be some intensives there in person um, in uh, transpersonal mindfulness-based counseling psychology is the full uh, title. So I'll, I'll have the ability to, to become a therapist, a licensed therapist, if that's what I choose to do. Um, but I'm, I'm again coming back to my, my my passion for psychology, and I've always wanted to get a graduate degree in it. So here I am, almost fifty, going back to graduate school. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's kind of my story up to now, and that's that's my that's been my journey, and I, I'm I'm so grateful for all of you wanting to to hear this and, and witness this together. So um, thank you very much appreciate you all and if uh, we have some time for any questions or anything if you uh, if you want to know more or anything I, I would welcome that thank you john eric yeah uh, first thanks so much for sharing john eric uh, i know i uh have a lot of that talk i'm sure a lot of other people did as well but uh, real quick, I don't know what Hakomi is. Could you give like a brief description of it? Yeah, totally. It's a um, well, it's called a mindfulness-based psycho body-based psychotherapy. So it was founded by a man named Ron Kurtz um, back in the seventies, eighties, nineties, and it's a uh, very Buddhist-informed modality of uh, relating with people. So um, it's a uh, it's also called assisted self-discovery. So it's a way that uh, I like to think of it as, it's almost like assisted meditation in a way. So, um, you know, if I'm sitting in the role of the practitioner and uh, you'd be the client or, or whatever, um, we would follow the body as a way to get at uh, subconscious kind of patterns and beliefs and, and core beliefs you might be holding that you may not, may not be aware of that might be uh, hindering you from, from uh, you know, growing into your life further. So, you know, there might be like a, you know, something going on in your world and we would look deeper together and, and hold that space together to say like, you know, oh, is there a, is there a memory there? Or is there a bodily sensation there? Or is there, there's something that leads to something else? And we kind of follow that together with curiosity and what we call loving presence to see what core beliefs might be there. That now bringing those to the 
conscious level can be worked with and held and transformation might happen or you know at least like that awareness that you may not have had before does that make sense yes thank you that's a very bumper sticker long bumper sticker version of what <laughs> Kim has a question. Yeah, I'm wondering to what extent you saw these different spiritual paths that you went on in contrast to each other, like, like, or were they like pieces of a puzzle that all fit together? Hmm. In a way, but I think I, I've kind of dropped the puzzle because it's uh, like, like I was saying, I think, you know, there's the, the teachings and the, I don't know, kind of the, the semantics of, of religions or spiritual paths. And there's like, how are we with each other? I, I'm, I'm, I'm much more interested in that these days. You know, with, the, with the teachings as a, as a foundation, but um, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about the puzzle so much anymore. I guess I'm 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 at a point in my my life, my path right now where I'm kind of letting go of that a little bit, um, which might come back. I don't know. It's just kind of where I'm at right now. But thanks for asking, Kim. Here we have Rosemary. Good to see you again. Okay. Yes, yes. Hi, John Eric. Thank you so much. I really appreciated um, uh, the journey you just, just took us on. Um, and especially that your, your um, search, your approach, your journey, was um, very open to this and this, not this or this. So basically none, none this, you know, you had this openness and um, I really appreciate, um, you know, hearing about that. It, it's very, uh, it's very refreshing and um, um, inspiring that, that aspect of it. So thank you so much. Very rich. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. Can I can I come forward? <laughs> I'll come forward. Yeah, it's just really saying what Rosemary said. I found it really inspiring, and it's like the way you just kept searching and searching until something settled, almost like a something wasn't quite settled, something hadn't quite found its place, and it's like just following that journey as each part settles until you've come to a part where more is settled and I could really feel that as you were going along and talking in your journey and I, I just really found that inspiring how you just kept going mm. you, you kept searching and we keep searching don't we we keep we keep going but I think with with where we're at now it's uh, it gives us that space doesn't it that that space where everything can just land and and be and I can really you know really see how you've you've gone through those those steps and didn't give up never give up <laughs> yeah that's right yeah, thank you, Maria. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, and I really have to, uh, you know, credit the practice of zazen. Uh, points such a huge part in that settling. You know, it's like the the muddy water in a glass. You know, it's like the one you let it settle. You can see the, the clarity yeah. in the water, and you know, really like going through that intensive and all the days of sitting, just to like really just you know, I was a, I was afraid of being with myself for that mm -hmm. long, which is. Yeah looking back at it now, it's kind of like, I can't imagine that I felt that way, but I did. Yeah, and, and like with the practice of sitting, it's like we, we get to actually be with ourselves and see ourselves and see what it is we do and kind of not identify with everything that it is that we do and create that space so that we can kind of just see what we get up to <laughs> as human beings and kind of not be led by it, you know, and it is the right. sitting, isn't it? For me too, it was the sitting that changed everything because that's the space that's the key mm -hmm. that, that's where the gold is <laughs> yeah exactly thank you, thank you.
There's Joan. Yeah. If you don't touch the button, Joan, <laughs> I'll unmute you. Okay, thank you. There we go. Right. Hello, John Eric. It's it's wonderful to see you and hear your cast. And I have a couple of questions, and one is about Hakomi, uh -huh. because during the pandemic, I haven't been attending anything really. And when I was, and people talked about Hakomi, I thought I'm too old, uh -huh. and it's too intensive. I can't take on something like counseling or a separate practice of Hakomi. And so I think I've let that go by. What do you have to say for someone who is, I'm 85 years old. My practice is being with my husband who has health issues. We live in a, you know, in a well, a good community, but we're really on our own and I don't know whether I'll go anywhere from here. Yeah. Well, first, I'm just so glad to see both of you. It's, it has been a while. Mm -hmm. I've seen you. And, you know, uh, really, Hakomi, the, the root of it is loving presence, which is what, what we feel together. You know, like our, the practice discussion group that we were in for so long together mm -hmm. with Flint and, and his office, like we were doing Hakomi. Mm -hmm. And it could be just as simple as just, just being with each other. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's nothing that has to happen. Um, so I, I would just offer that, that it's a, it's just a way of, of being, being with someone and just saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to be here in, with, in presence with you and give you my, my full attention, my full self, and nothing else has to happen. Well, thank you. That's, uh, that's really what I have felt was special about Appamata, and it isn't everywhere else. They'll tell you that, that other Zen groups or Zen centers don't have this kind of a community. But anytime I've been in a group with people at Appamata, it has been really personally important sharing. So I continue with that, but I'm thinking my practice as far as studying or growing, I don't know, I don't see it. Just being present now is all I have. Yeah. Thank you for your offerings. Thank you. Thanks for stepping forward and being present with us. Uh, before Joel, can I just check if Laurie had raised her hand? I, I did, yeah. Um, John Eric, I just wanted to thank you so much for this talk. It's, it's always wonderful to see somebody and hear Ms. Endo when you talk and you have experience with them, but, but knowing the particulars of your whole journey has just been wonderful to listen to. So I really appreciated it and, and your openness to so many different you know, traditions. I thought it's just great to have that kind of experience. So anyway, thank you so much. Thanks, Lori. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't know what to expect from this. I just, <laughs> <laughs> I had like, I had like five bullet points. I was like, I don't know what else there is. And I just kept growing and growing. <laughs> and, and I'll bring Joel down next beside you. Hey, Joel. Thank you so much for this talk. I'm, I'm just impressed by what Laurie just pointed to, your, your openness throughout the journey. That, that uh, Speaking for myself, I'm a person that came to Zen with a very fixed idea, which was that there was something wrong with me and that I needed help fixing that stuff that was wrong with me. And what the practice has done for me is to just help me open up and help me connect with other people and help me connect with um, uh, traditions and, and, and so on that I didn't know about before. And, uh, but I, I just think, it's inspiring that there's a consistent line in your practice from um, working in a pet store at 11 and being fascinated with animals, uh, having spiritual connection with an armadillo, uh, <laughs> and, 
and uh, meeting people from all sorts of traditions and, and just being open and, and wanting to know what you can learn and how how it can help you connect. Always, uh, just like just like E.M. Forster said, only connect, only connect. That's what I hear in you. That's a beautiful thing. So thank you. And if you're wondering what that noise is, it's Joel's fan. <laughs> Please do just give me a wave if you if you're not sure how to raise your hand. Oh, we have Robin. Hi, John Eric. I just wanted to offer my appreciation. Um, serving on the board with you and just um, being on council together more recently, you bring, I knew some of your story because we had gone on a walk and talk together some time ago, um, but I didn't, I'd never heard it all like kind of in order. And so I appreciate that. But even more, I appreciate how during this time of really unfathomable change, you led the board and the nonprofit organization that's Appamata. And you did so with such grace, good humor, patience, and I want to say, not with perfection, because I think that's important for us all to know. Um, we didn't always know the right thing. We just did what seemed to be the thing that might be the right thing. <laughs> and your ability to sort of move with all of that without at least sharing, um, you know, your own frustration or, or doubt or self-criticism uh, or just your, you know, in the Suzuki Roshi book, um, Beginner's Mind, um, in the introduction, there's a quote by Trudy Dixon that means so much to me that actually Tom, Tom Vandestat, he used to practice with us, but who moved to Tulsa, pointed out once in one of Flint's groups. And it's, she's describing, one assumes, Suzuki Roshi, but she's describing just a Roshi. She's describing basically a teacher. And what she's really describing is not what we what we aspire to as Zen students, because like, good luck with that. But what naturally happens through practice, not 24-7, it's not like you're the Golden Buddha, but also the way that one feels in the presence of that person. And I invite anyone to go check that out because it is just such a beautiful passage. But um, I just want you to know that I have felt that with you and I have such gratitude. And it sounds like from chats, I'm speaking for so many people. So thank you and keep going and keep coming back, it works. <laughs> thank you so much, Robin. And I'd just like to read out um, a couple of chats that people have had to leave but would like their voice heard. And Clayton has said, thank you, John Eric, and all of you Sangha members. This was remarkable. I must leave you and with much appreciation and love. And Claudine says, thank you so much, John Eric. It was a very inspiring moment. Thanks to them, Clayton and Claudine. Jessica. May hear a cat in the background. Sorry about that. If so, <laughs> uh, John Eric, I just um, I had to say thank you for uh, for telling your story so beautifully with such sincerity. I've been there for some of it. I've been lucky enough to witness some of it, um, but I I cried twice. It was just so sweet uh, 
to hear it all, you know, I guess I'm just kind of echoing what some others have said to hear it all kind of laid out like that. And um, I just, I want to thank you for your sincere heart. <clears throat> and we have Monica, I think this might be the last one because we're running over, but I'll let, I'll let Laurie. We have one more person in the Zendo, if that's okay, after Monica. Okay, thanks Laurie. Thank you. There we go. Um, yeah, John Eric, it was just really wonderful to hear about your, um, you know, your journey, your spiritual journey. Really thank you for that. It really um, is a wondrous journey, and I hope you continue to have a wondrous time. Yeah, and I, I, I like it. As you said, it was, it, Robin said, it was wonderful working with you on the board. You are so open and listen to everybody and make wonderful decisions and again i think it's part of your acceptance of everything that, that goes along so really appreciate it thank, thank you, you. it's good to see you both i just want to say jessica i didn't i didn't say anything back but because i just have no words for saying sharing this journey with you Missy has a question or has a comment. Yes. Can you, I, I hope you can hear me. Hi, John Eric. This is Missy. I'm just, I'm so glad to be here and here. I was late getting here, but I'm so glad to have gotten here what all I did here. And um, I'm one of John Eric's Okami students. And it has, I've only been twice, but it has already made a, a big impact on my life, John Eric. So, Thank you, and thank you for today. This has been quite a practice for me. I've never seen my story laid out like this before either. And Joel wanted an add on comment of um, he said what I meant to say but forgot is that your openness brings forth the best in the people you meet. And I think that's a wonderful place to to finish. Thank you, Joel. Ah, thank you, everybody. For being here with me, continuing to be here with me. Thank you so much, John, and we'll hand John Eric and we'll hand back over to Laurie in the Zendo. Thank you, John Eric. Thank you.